Well, good morning and welcome to Anastasia Church. I will be expecting a standing ovation after the announcements. <laughs> what a wonderful way to um, just start worship this morning. Thank you so much, King family, for blessing us. My name is Julia. I'm the young adult minister here. And if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us today. I want to encourage you to stop by our welcome desk. We have a gift just for you. And we have a couple ways that you can connect with us. Also, if you um, love to text on your phone and don't like to see people in person, we've got a spot just for you. You can text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word connect. That will pull up our digital bulletin and our connect card. It's a um, great way to send any prayer requests that you might have as well. And there's also a QR code, it should be on the screen behind me that you can use the camera app on your phone and it'll pull up that same information. So we're very tech savvy here at Anastasia. A few announcements. We have VBS kicking off tomorrow and we are expecting over 450 kids for the week. They will be here having a lot of fun and in the midst of that, hearing the gospel, some for the very first time. Thank you, church family, for how graciously we are able to do this each and every year. If you get a chance after this service, I would encourage you to take a peek over in the CLC. The stage decorations are absolutely incredible. They will just knock you off your feet. So please be in prayer this week as we accept these kids, as we teach them and share our lives with them and pray for our volunteers that they will be well rested and stay healthy for the week. Um, those are always much, much appreciated prayers for VBS week. Um, we also understand that um, a lot of people in our family are dealing with some sort of grief, and we have a ministry called Grief Care that meets on Wednesday nights. And I just wanna encourage you, if you are struggling in that area, this is an incredible group to come alongside and just be together in fellowship, and what an incredible ministry that we're able to offer for um, people who are experiencing grief and need help and need community. Also, men, men's Bible study is kicking off June 10th, just after VBS. We have three opportunities for you to get plugged in. The first is a Monday morning, 6 a.m. I think it's a workout and Bible study combo class. So if that is your jam, you can be here 6 a.m. working out, sweating, and getting into God's word together. We will also have a Wednesday night men's study at 6 p.m. And then on Thursdays at noon in the atrium, a uh, men's study as well. So lots of wonderful ways for you to get connected. I hope that you will take advantage of this. Pastor Walter. We're going to go ahead and open up this service with a, a word of prayer. So would you join me in prayer, please? Lord Jesus, as we gather here, uh, Lord, we're coming in your name. And Lord, we're coming to worship you, Lord, because, uh, because you are great. You are worthy of worship. And Lord, as we, as we gather here together, Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts. Lord, we're going to remember what you did with us on the cross, did for us on the cross. And, and Lord, help us as we come, understanding that we're coming and worshiping you. And we're coming knowing that we have salvation in your name, not because we're worthy, but because you love us. And Lord, uh, we thank you for that love. Lord, I pray that you take every word that we speak, every song that we sing, every syllable that comes out of our mouth, every, every thought 
that has its birth in our hearts, Lord, that you would use it, uh, Lord, as praise and worship to you. Lord, cleanse us, move us, inspire us, and we do all of this, Lord, in your precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Well, will you please join me in standing?
God's children said, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Choir is going to sing. Words will be on the screen for you. And I'm sort of figuring that it's a favorite of yours and you're going to want to sing it with us. And that's okay. All right?
Heavenly Father, we come because our Savior is worthy. It's in his name in whom we gather. It's in his name that we have life and breath. So, Father, may we continue to honor you, the Son and the Spirit this morning as we worship the Godhead, the Trinity to the three in one. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'm just about speechless. That was so good. <laughs> we just want to thank you for your generosity. Um, we are, you know, in the midst of a giant building project, and, and you guys have just been so gracious and so generous, and uh, we are really moving along, and things are going well. We are, um, you know, we still need more. We're still continuing to collect funds, but we are definitely moving forward and we will have a building next year and about this time next year and we will look forward to getting our children to do VBS over there next year. Wouldn't that be special? But uh, we just want to thank you so much for your generosity. And so, um, you know, there's numerous ways to, to, to give um, and the one is that you can text CONNECT to 904-441-6900. It'll be right on that menu of all the different things you can do and, you, and giving is one of those. That's a spiritual act of worship, and we'd like you to, to uh, partner with us in that. And then, you know, we have offering boxes, and we have, uh, you can text CONNECT to 904-441-6900. There's lots of different ways you can give, so we just truly appreciate your generosity. Let's pray. Father God, we, just, we thank you for this day, Father. We, we thank you for the choir and orchestra, Father. We thank you for the many volunteers that make everything possible on Sunday, Father. We thank you for the generosity of our congregation. We thank you for our staff. Father, we just want to take everything that is given in this generosity moment, Father, and we want to make sure that we use it only for your kingdom, Father, to glorify your name. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So our music has highlighted our time together around the cup, uh, around the table. Now we turn a little bit more poignantly. So we'll sing nothing but the blood. We're going to do two verses. After those first two verses, we're going to give you the opportunity to pray quietly, preparing your hearts, as Paul tells us, that we might not eat in an unworthy manner. And at the end of a verse being played, you praying quietly, I won't lead you. We'll come out of that and we'll sing the last two stanzas before Pastor Walter comes. You can remain seated for the whole thing, but join us as we prepare our hearts. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of
This is all. church we're gathering together for something that we do regularly and uh, I hope that it never becomes stale to you even though this may be ritual maybe this will be something you've done hundreds of times in your life uh, what we're doing is we're going to remember what Jesus Christ did on the Christ on the cross once for all for the forgiveness of our sins he died on the cross 
And we're going to remember it the way that Jesus told us to remember it. Uh, with the cup and the bread. The bread represents Jesus Christ's body. The cup represents his blood. Now, uh, this is not just a Baptist thing. This is a Jesus thing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't care if you're a member of this church or a Baptist church. If you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and you're committed to following his, his Lord and you know what we're doing here, then I invite you to participate with us because this is what links us as believers throughout the world. It's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I do want you to all know that when you, the cups are passed, you'll pick out a cup, but it's actually two cups. Okay, you'll pick up two cups that are stacked. The bottom cup has your bread in it. And the top cup has, the, has the, the, that which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you loved us so much that while we were still sinners, you died for us. And Lord, help us to take this time to remember your sacrifice, Lord, to come with gratitude in our hearts, Lord, a sincere understanding that none of us is worthy to partake, but Lord, we're worthy to partake because you made us worthy and you made us righteous in your blood and in your name. In Jesus Christ, I pray, amen.
Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians. We take the bread. He said, I give to you what I received from the Lord, that on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your humanity, Lord. You came down. You took on body. You took on life, Lord. You connected with us, yet without sin. And Lord, thank you for doing that. Thank you for sacrificing not only 33 years, but Lord, also on the cross, with your stripes, we are healed. Lord, thank you for taking that. And Lord, as we take this bread, I pray, Lord, that that we would dedicate our bodies, our lives, our service to you and to your glory out of deep, deep gratitude. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's partake. The Bible also says that in the same manner after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for your precious blood that you poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, it was an atoning sacrifice. It was a sufficient sacrifice. It was enough, Lord, to pay for all of our sins. Lord, that no one would have to be separated from God. No one would have to be separated from our home in heaven. Lord, if we just trust you and trust in your blood and follow you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for that sacrifice. And Lord, as we take this, help us to have gratitude in our hearts and help us in that gratitude to share the good news that we are all forgiven in your name and in your blood. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's partake. The Bible also tells us that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he taught us one other thing, among other things. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. God bless you. Before I begin the message, I, we, have, we have all kinds of amazing people in this congregation, and you may not know who they are, because I'm the only one that talks. <laughs> I hog the spotlight, what can I say? But we, we have a, one of the gentlemen in our church, and I just want you to hear a little bit of his story. His name is Charlie, Charlie Scott. And Charlie, would you just tell people a little bit of your story? Do you mind doing that right now for me, please? Good morning, 
I'm Charlie Scott. My wife Joyce and I joined the Anastasia Church right after we moved here a few years ago. We've been married 65 years. When I talked to Pastor Walter about joining the church, he took one look at us. He said, I don't think you can survive in an ocean baptism. <laughs> so he came up with a different plan. I'm here today to give you firsthand knowledge of how God has helped me over many years, even saved my life. You know, he's available to us always. All we have to do is ask him to join our life. Several years ago, my doctor told me that my liver was failing. He said he, there was nothing he could do about it. There was no treatment, no cure. He advised me to go see a doctor, research doctor in Pittsburgh. He was doing plant transplant research on a way to cure failed livers. Well, I went up there and met with him and he examined me. He came out and told me that my liver was almost completely failed. I had less than 30 days to live. He sent his transplant team out to find a donated liver for me. About that time, a 16-year-old boy in Cleveland died suddenly and his parents agreed to donate his organs. The team brought the liver back to Pittsburgh and under the direction of the research doctor and with God guiding their hands, they performed a 12-hour, almost perfect liver transplant. I was in the hospital for a month that was 33 years ago. <laughs> the date will be June 10, coming up. At that time, the liver transplant procedure was, not, was uh, experimental, not approved for general use. As I was leaving the hospital, the doctors told me that I had a 25% chance to live five years. Well, God had a different plan. <laughs> he gave me a 100% chance to live more than 30 years. By following his plan, I got to know a lot of important people that I never would have known otherwise. They are three daughters-in-law, six grandkids, and one great-grandkid. So the thought that I want to leave with you today is organ transplantation and donation work well, but if you invite God into your life, it works a whole lot better. <laughs> Thank you.
Amen. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful testimony? Thank you, Charlie, for sharing that with us. You know, the most important thing is Jesus. We're going to have Vacation Bible School this week. We're going to tell all those kids, 455 right now are pre-registered. Those kids, we're going to tell all of them that the most important thing is Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's a theme about games. We're going to tell them that knowing Jesus is a game changer. He is a game changer. That's what it is. So anyway, I want to say thank you, Charlie, for sharing. I want to say thank you for all of you for the very kind uh, gifts of chocolate and notes. I have read every note. I have sorted through all the chocolate. I haven't eaten it all yet. You will see when I eat it all. It will become obvious to everybody. Um, also, I'm so grateful to see David and Marcia Elder in the back of the house there. Yeah. We're so grateful. So we're, we're so grateful that the Lord has, has brought you through a very difficult time and still in a journey of healing and, and recovering, but just getting stronger and stronger. Uh, it's just amazing. We're grateful that you're here. So both you and Marsha. Yeah. Uh, today we're beginning a new sermon series. Uh, this sermon series during the month of June, we're going to explore the one chapter books of the New Testament. There are four of them in the New Testament. So each week, a new one chapter book in the New Testament. We're calling this series Summer Shorts. Okay? Summer Shorts. Little books with big messages. And uh, some of you have asked if I'm going to be preaching in shorts. I said, I'm not going to do that to you. Some of you... <laughs> Some, some, some of you ladies just be looking at my legs. You'd never even hear the, the sermon. I just know. Uh, anyway. But the, the sermon, that the book that I want to open up for you is uh, the shortest book that the Apostle Paul wrote that we have in the Bible. The shortest letter. It's 335 words in the original Greek. It's the book of Philemon that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is written by, with the help of Timothy. Let, let me give you a little context before we get into it so you know as we're going through it some of the, the background there. I think it'll be helpful to you. The most common understanding of the time, which I believe is very compelling, is that it was written about 61 AD. Paul was in Rome and Paul was in prison. This letter has four addressees, four addressees. There was Philemon. Philemon uh, was a man who lived in the area of Ephesus, and uh, he had a church that met in his home. It's also written to Aphia. Aphia was probably, most scholars believe, was probably Philemon's wife, and uh, who sort of would have to make sure everything uh, uh, worked well at the house church, because we know how that is. Uh, and then um, there's Archippus, a fellow worker of the Lord, and then it says to the house church, that met in Philemon's home and so into their church as well. So that's, that's who it's written to. And the subject at hand was how to deal with a, a man by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave. Philemon was a slaveholder, a slave owner back in that day. And he owned a slave known as Onesimus. And Onesimus, we figure, had probably run away or he had stolen money or he had done both. 
And uh, somehow he had become connected with Paul while Paul was in, in prison in Rome. And so, and in that process, Onesimus had become a Christian and he'd become sort of a spiritual son to the apostle Paul. And uh, so anyway, Paul's in Rome. He's writing letters back to the churches that he'd started. And some of those letters went back to that region of Ephesus. And he had to send some people back to send the letters. So some of the letters he sent back, he sent back with Onesimus, okay? He sent back with Onesimus. Uh, we know this, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. It talks about how that particular book was being uh, brought by Onesimus. So this is the same person there. So uh, Onesimus and Philemon are now back in the same region together. One's a runaway slave. One's the former uh, owner of that slave. Uh, that's got to be awkward. That's got to be awkward. You know, in, in my mind, perhaps Onesimus... In my sanctified imagination, I think maybe it was Onesimus that delivered that letter to Philemon. Can you just imagine that? Onesimus knocking on the door of Philemon's house. Philemon open up the door and say, oh, who is this? That, the person that had run away from me. And how should Philemon react to this runaway slave showing up at his door? And he said, here, I got a letter from the apostle Paul. To you. Can you just imagine what that must have been like? That's the background of this book. And so I want you to stand, please, as I read this very short but very impactful letter from the Apostle Paul. I'll read it in its entirety. It says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and to Phia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, and yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you. Little background. The word Onesimus in Greek means useful. Okay. So, formerly, he was useless to you. But now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. Sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this is perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you, might, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. 
If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you're owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you'll do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this uh, inspiring letter that your Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write. And Lord, help us to glean what you want us to glean in our relationships with each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. And boy, there's a lot to unpack. I tell you, it's a small book, but it's got a big message. And there are a lot of different ways we can unpack this, and I could take weeks and weeks even if I wanted to. We could talk about the issue of slavery. We could talk about the issue of class. We could talk about equality. We could talk about forgiveness. We could talk about restitution. All of this in relationship to our faith. And all of these are relevant topics, but, but I want to dig a little bit deeper than just the topics themselves. I want to talk about the heart that goes behind that. I want to talk about the character of the person that's there. Because there's something that really caught my eye. Look at verse 7. In verse 7 in the text, it says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And in verse 20, he says, uh, the, uh, Paul says, I, you know, I want you to refresh my heart. He used that word twice, that refreshing sort of idea. And, you know, uh, apparently Philemon had a refreshing effect on people around him. You know, do, have you ever been around people that, that refresh you? That word in the Greek for refresh, it, it's the word for, again, ana, pauzo, okay, ana, pauzo. And so what that means is that means to pause again, and it, it really means to, you can sort of take a breath, you can relax. You know, Anastasia has that same compound word, it's to stand again. And this is to pause again. And it means you can just relax. So apparently Philemon was someone that, that you could just be relaxed with. You could let your guard down. He was refreshing, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, what makes us refreshing? What makes us refreshing? You know, when I think of refreshing in the summer, one of the things I think of is lemonade. I brought some lemonade over here because lemonade is refreshing, isn't it? Isn't it a refreshing thing? And uh, I have two kinds of lemonade, and I want to know if there's someone who's good at, at, with their taster and willing to help me understand which lemonade would be better, uh, A or B. And do I have a volunteer? Anybody? Any, would you come up? Do you, and, and it's okay if you don't have sugar, right? I mean, the, what, lemonade has sugar. Are you okay with that? Come here. Yeah, just come right up here and stand right here. And I have two kinds of uh, of lemonade, two different brands. And you tell me which one you think is more refreshing. There's this brand here. And tell everyone your name. Marie. This is Marie, okay? Say hi, Marie. Hi. Okay, try the lemonade there. Okay, you got it? Okay, it's the lemonade, right? Okay, uh, try, try this lemonade here and, and check it out. See what it's like. That's lemon juice. Well, you know, you're right. This is simply lemonade. 
and this is real lemon lemon juice. Uh, they're both lemonade, except this one forgot the sugar. Okay? Thank you very much. Didn't she do a good job? Well, well I think that there's a takeaway here. Because, you know, some of us, when we relate to other people, some of us, we're lemonade and we're refreshing. And some of us, we're lemon juice. Okay? Sometimes we forget the sugar. Sometimes we forget the sugar. So the question I want to ask you is, are you lemonade or are you lemon juice for the soul? Are you, are you someone that refreshes people or do you cause people to pucker up and to stress out and to, to tighten up? Okay? Because, you know, there are people that I can relax around, right? They're lemonade, okay? Just refreshing. And then there are other people, when I'm around them, after a while, I feel drained. I feel stressed. It's not like lemonade. It's more like lemon juice. Do you know what I'm talking about? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you might be (laughs) lemon juice. (laughs) But what effect do I have on the people that are around me? Do, Do I refresh the people around me or do I wear them down? That's what I want to talk about. Am I lemonade or lemon juice? And I think that as much as we can, we as Christians ought to strive to be lemonade. I think we need to be, have this refreshing personality. I think this refreshing effect on people. So the first point is this. Be refreshing as I impact others for Christ. Be refreshing. Don't beat people down. Lift people up so they can follow Christ, okay? Be refreshing. And that's easy to say. How does one go about being refreshing? How does someone take a lemon juice soul and turn it into lemonade, okay? How do we do that? I see some clues here in the text. Uh, Look at verses 8 and 9. It says, Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what's required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. Now, Paul didn't command Philemon to treat Onesimus as a brother, but he he said, I could. I I could do that. Paul was an apostle, and he used his power as an apostle uh, over and over again in the New Testament. He he says over and over, I, Paul, an apostle, you need to be listening to me. Uh, And he didn't do that here. He said, I, I want to appeal to you rather than order you. Um, and what he's saying is, I want to win your heart. And that's the key. I think winning hearts is way more important than winning arguments. You want to change the world? Focus on winning hearts. I think one of the reasons we're, where we are today is that we try to win the argument without winning the heart. We try to get the easy win. You know, we need to win hearts for Christ. So that's the next point is win hearts for Christ. It's way more valuable than merely winning the arguments. As you share the truth and the wisdom and the reason, reason, don't forget to add the grace. Don't forget to add the sugar. Okay? You know, I, I know lots of people who can argue and debate. I know lots of them. They, they like to send me emails, <laughs> YouTube links, whatever. I know people who can debate and win arguments, but lose friends, lose jobs, lose influence. It's not about winning arguments. You know, many years ago, many years ago, and this was at another church, I, I was leading evangelism training in the church, and we'd go out on on-the-job training. We'd take a group of three people out there, and, and there was one man on my team, and I tell you, he was a smart fellow, and he knew the gospel, 
He knew almost every scripture I know. I know, knew it by memory more than anybody I've ever known in my entire life. He knew the apologetic arguments, the way you defend the gospel. He knew doctrine. But you know what? When he asked someone about their faith background, the first thing that he would do when he responded, he would launch into debate and tell them why they were wrong. And the whole time, and I worked with him for a year and a half, the whole time he never got to share the gospel with a single person. You know why? He never got to the gospel. He wanted to win the argument of why his position was right. And he never got to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and he said, I don't understand why people won't come to faith. I said, I do. You keep trying to win the argument. You're not letting the Lord win the heart. You don't even get to the gospel. The heart's more important than having someone concede defeat in a debate. See, we want to win hearts for Christ. That's way more valuable than merely winning arguments. Something else. Uh, in verse 10, he said, I appeal to you. For my child Onesimus, and this is important. He described Onesimus as a child whose father I became in my imprisonment. So there's this father-son relationship go on, going on here. You know, uh, there's a family relationship. As a matter of fact, he talks in, in verse 7 of Philemon. He says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. He describes other Christians in terms of family. And I think it's very important because we can relax around family. We can let our hair down around family. I'm refreshed when I'm around my family. And so I want to say to all of us, when you're trying to influence people for Christ and you're living your day-to-day -day life, be relational. Be relational as I serve in the family of Christ. Onesimus was a spiritual child to Paul. Philemon was a spiritual brother to Paul. It was all about family. And Paul related to everybody as close family. Look around. Okay. If there are people here, all the people here that trust Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, they are your family. Look around. This is your family. I know you can't believe it. This is your family. And you need to treat people as family ought to be treated. You know what I'm saying? Not how you treat your family, <laughs> but as family ought to be treated. Okay? Uh, with love and care and support. That's how you turn lemon juice into lemonade. You treat each other as family, as good family. I see another clue in verse 15 and 16. Paul said this. He said, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. You know, Paul said, you know, you have this useless slave who's called useful, but he's really useless to you. He's no longer with you. He's not really useful to you. I don't know what went through Philemon's mind when he found out that Onesimus ran away. When, when that day that happened, he said, well, this, he's, he's run away. Maybe he's taken the family silver. I don't know what it is. But I wonder what was going through Philemon's mind when that happened. He's just thinking to himself, wow, I guess I'm never going to see any of that again. I guess I'm never going to see him again. That's all sort of lost to me. I wonder what he was thinking. And uh, I don't know, but I know this. The Bible says that right here, that someone who's parted from you for a while in the plan of God, in the will of God, God may use that estrangement. God may use that separation to work something out, to work out a miracle so you'll be back together forever. I claim that promise. 
I claim that promise. You don't know what God could do in the heart of that person that's separated from you, okay? But God, in the time of separation, he can still make a miracle happen. He can bring things back together. I love what it says there, verse 15. For this perhaps is why he's parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Do you have someone in your life that you're just separated from and you're not talking to right now? God can heal that. And he may even use that to grow both of you so that you'll be stronger and closer together at the end. So the point is this, never give up reaching, never give up reclaiming, never give up restoring souls, never give up. God doesn't, doesn't give up on us, don't give up on others. Never give up on keeping the door open. Never give up on offering the olive branch. Never give up on being gracious. Never give up on being polite. Do you know why we have manners? It's not for people that we like. Manners are, are the rules so we know how to deal with people we don't like. Right? I know, I know how to show courtesy to people that I like, but what about the people I don't like? That's why I have manners. That's why when there's someone I can't stand and I'm having a hard time with, I can say to them, well, bless your heart. <laughs> That's what manners are for, okay? Never give up being gracious. Never give up being polite. Just never give up. See something else here. Verse 17. This, this, is, this is super, super impactful to me. Verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you'd receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Paul is saying, I'm going to make restitution. And these words are the very definition of what it means to be Christ-like. These words... These could be the same words, not just what Paul is writing to Philemon. These could be the very words coming out of the lip of Jesus Christ in the throne room of heaven. And Christ, is, Christ, God the Son, is talking to God the Father and saying, you know, if you consider me a partner of redeeming humanity, receive them as you'd receive me. And if they have wronged you at all or owe you anything, charge it to my account. I, Jesus Christ, write this with my own blood on the cross at Calvary. You see... Paul was offering to do for Onesimus what Christ did for him. I think that's a good lesson. Paul was offering to make restitution for the sins that Onesimus had made against Philemon. You know what? That's a good lesson. You want to refresh someone's soul? Do for others what Christ did for you. I want to do for others what Christ did for me. That's our ministry, right? You, you know, second... second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17, 18, 19, 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know that passage? And then it goes on and it says that, that, that new you, which should be a refreshing you, it should be a lemonade you. Okay, this new you, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, doing for others what Christ did for us. Verse 19, that passage, that is, in Christ, God's reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The message of Philemon is not just what Philemon did, but it's that heart. Uh, you know, being for others what Christ is for us. 
And that's what, that's what it means to add the sugar. That's what it means to be lemonade, to open up our hearts to other people and help other people receive the best and the blessings of Christ, you know. That's the most important message I can take away from Philemon, but let me share with you more importantly, I don't think we can do that without the power of Christ. I think the most important thing is receiving what Christ did for you. And if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what you have done in the past. We're all like runaway slaves. We're all like people that have, that have been thieves and, and have, have sort of walked away in shame. And you know what? Jesus says, it doesn't matter. I'll repay it. You just come and follow me. You know, he is the perfect bridge. I've said this over and over again. Jesus is totally connected to eternity in the throne room of heaven, one with God the Father, and he's totally connected with humanity. He came and was among us for 33 years. He's the perfect bridge. He's connected to both sides. You know, if you want a bridge, you want it to be connected at both sides because it's, if it's not connected at both sides, it's not a bridge. It's just a pier. He's the bridge. Follow the path on the bridge to eternity. And then if you've already done that, there are people that you know and you have a good relationship that are estranged from other people that you know. Be the bridge. Do what Christ, do for others what Christ did for you. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you have made such a powerful impact, not just 2,000 years ago, but every day. And Lord, there are people that are estranged from family members, from friends, separated for whatever reason. Lord, I pray that in your power, you'd bring them back together stronger. Lord, that they enjoy the time on this earth with such joy, with such grace, with the overflowing of your love. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that needs to make a step of faith, whether it's church membership or baptism, Lord, you give them the courage to come forward. Lord, if there's someone that needs to trust in you and says, I can't trust in, in, in Jesus, I, I, I'm not worthy enough for heaven, I'm not good enough, Lord, I pray that the blinders would come off and that person would realize that, that it's okay. None of us in here are good enough. You're the one who's great. You're the one who makes it possible for us to be in heaven. Lord, move among us and all to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna be here at the front. If any of you wanna respond publicly to present yourself for baptism, we have a beach baptism next week. Present yourself for membership. If God's calling you, you come as we stand and as we sing.
Father, we come. Our time spent together this day has concluded. But Father, I pray that your spirit has awakened a part of us to continue serving you, praising you as we go. Father, be the light inside of us that people see, that they may see you before they see us. Help us to be sweeter than salty. And Father, may we be bold as you give us divine appointments to meet the needs of those who are around us. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.